So our uh, senior high group every year goes to youth conventions to meet and connect with the other churches in our district. And we talk about social justice projects that all the churches can kind of focus into. And this year it was about the Syrian refugee crisis, so that is what we are going to talk about. For five years, there has been constant conflict between groups in Syria, causing a large-scale civil war. In these years, more than 250,000 Syrians have lost their lives due to the conflict between the forces loyal to President Bashar al-Assad, the rebel forces, and the jihadist military group called ISIS, or the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. 11 million Syrians have been forced from their homes because of the conflict, which is almost half of Syria's population, with three quarters of the refugees being women and children. In March 2011, protests began that supported democracy and the resignation of President Assad. This was because a group of teenagers painted revolutionary slogans on their school wall and were arrested and tortured as a result. Security forces opened fire on the protesters, killing several as more swarmed into the streets. By July 2011, hundreds of thousands of Syrians were protesting President Assad's rule, and opposition forces began to take up arms. A UN commission of inquiry has evidence that all parties to the conflict have committed war crimes, including murder, torture, rape, and enforced disappearances. Groups have also restricted access to food, water, and health services in order to control certain areas. An example of these crimes was when hundreds of people were killed in August 2013 after rockets filled with the nerve agent sarin were fired at several suburbs in the capital of Syria, Damascus. Along, along with these events, ISIS has held many public executions, including the beheading of many Westerners. A quote from Miriam Akash, mother of nine, who was, whose husband was killed by a sniper is, we're just living on the edge of life. We're always nervous, we're always afraid. Lebanon, Turkey, and Jordan have taken so many refugees that it is changing their population ratios. In Lebanon, a quarter of the people are Syrians. In Jordan, 10% are Syrians. Turkey has also reported similar ratios. About half of Syrian refugee children do not attend school. 10% of Syrian children in Jordan are involved in child labor due to the fact that children make up 46% of the world's refugee population. Many refugee camps have very poor living conditions due to the very low amount of foreign aid money being used on the camps themselves and instead being used to fund troops in the conflict. Lebanon, Jordan, and Turkey have taken in most of the four million Syrian refugees but most are not allowed to work because these countries have high unemployment rates and are concerned about Syrians competing with citizens for jobs. Every day, people there are trying to escape. They are trying to escape to safety. However, this journey to safety can actually be just as dangerous as the place they escaped from. Okay. Basically, in the video, the uh, little girl was describing how she had to go into um, a boat and throw her stuff overboard um, just so that because there were a lot of people on the boat and they would come up on the shore and you could see a lot of life jackets and boats littered all across the shore and then she just described her life um, and how she missed her friends at school and that kind of thing um, but now we have another story about Najiba Aduo Rahman 
Um, so war makes orphans, so grandmother Najiba Abdul Rahman has two new toddlers to take care of. A year ago, in November 2012, her 25-year-old son, a brigade commander in the Free Syrian Army, was shot and killed by Syrian government troops. He left behind a week-old daughter and a year-old son. Their mother couldn't cope, so she came to Abdul Rahman, turned, her, turned over her children, and left for good. Abdul Rahman, 56, says it is not a decision she would have made, but war and poverty make people do things. So without a second thought, she took in the two babies. I wish that I will have a long life so I can raise the children until they are strong enough to protect themselves, she says. She is mainly stoic when she describes her situation, but speaking about the children's futures starts her sobbing. They now live together in a trailer camp, trailer in a camp, home to more than 14,000 Syrian refugees just inside the Turkish border. Ten of them cram into a two-room trailer. As she speaks, a crowd gathers in the street in front of her trailer, looking up at the Syrian hills that loom over the camp. They watch as Syrian forces and rebels fire at each other, the sun glinting, glinting off their trucks, and the loud sound of shells, shelling rumbles through the camp. Abdul Rahman is trying to cre create as normal life as possible for the children. She knows they could be here for many years, so she has made it feel like home, with lots of toys. The kids have decorated the outside of the trailer at child eyes height with cheery stickers, the Tasmanian Devil, Donald Duck, and Simba from The Lion King. For us, this is a good place, she says. I know I can't go home. It's not safe, and it's not livable. I know my house has been destroyed, but I still have a piece of land there, and at the end of the day, it's still my country. Abdul Rahman has a second son, who was also shot in the war. He has severe damage to his liver, and he is in a hospital in Istanbul waiting for surgery. She is not sure if he will survive. His wife and two small children live in the trailer next door. She fled Syria in June 2011, so she is in her third year living in camps. She started in a camp in Hatay, further west in Turkey, and moved here two years ago because she heard the conditions were better. Now she passes her day baking bread, mourning her dead son, and worrying about her wounded son and trying to raise two small children who will never know their parents, and maybe not even their country. So there are about 13.5 million people in the Syrian area that require aid. Uh, 4.8 people are refugees uh, looking for homes. And then the, I think it's 3.5 is uh, the uh, internally displaced. So they are not, they've not left Syria yet, but they are looking for a place to stay because they are not in a safe position. And we have the problem of a lot of countries aren't uh, accepting, like wealthier countries aren't accepting large amounts of refugees, even though there's this large number of people. One of the uh, problems is the terrorism, because there have been a couple recent major attacks uh, in France and Brussels, and it's caused a lot of fear and concern about the safety of countries. And this causes uh, Islamophobia. Um, or sorry, uh, and the problem is that also uh, a small number of these refugees, or a large number of these refugees are children, one in four, and uh, kids aren't normally terrorists. Um, so the terrorism causes uh, fear in people and they get confused um, between uh, radical terrorism groups and refugees, which are two separate things and they don't 
always follow the same codes of morality and living. And they are completely separate groups of people. And so when we start to fear, the, when countries start to fear that people being accepted in could possibly be terrorists, they have to go through long, extensive screening processes to make sure that they're safe and they can't accept many, as many people because they have to go through these long processes. Uh, refugees end up in neighboring countries such as Lebanon, Turkey, and Jordan. And these are the where they mostly end up because it's right close and they don't have that far to travel to get to them. But they are seeking asylum in countries like Germany, Hungary, and more Western developed countries. But they're not accepting as larger numbers. And Oxfam, a company, is calling on rich countries to do their share based on the wealth of that country. Because if they're wealthier, they should be able to do more to help in any way possible. Um, so a lot of these uh, refugees aren't being accepted because only a certain small number of them can get green cards and some of you have them so if you could hold them up they were in your order of service. There's, it's, yeah, link those. There you go. Those, this is about the number of people based on the size of the congregation that would actually get to move away from uh, refugee camps. So the, what we need to do is there's a lot of more that we as uh, people can do to help these refugees. All right, so there's many things that you can do to get away from this issue. Um, one of them is to educate yourself and others about the issue. So you should take time to, do, to learn about Muslims. Another way is to donate to organizations like UNICEF, UNHCR, Doctors Without Borders, the Syrian, American Medical Society and the Quran Foundation. And we can encourage governments to increase the numbers of accepted refugees. You can speak up against Islamophobia and show support for freedom of religion. And you can participate in outreach activities like the interfaith, uni like interfaith unity events, such as the two events held in Peoria this year.